Hi, everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Guidehouse Insights Plugged In Podcast, where we go deep on energy industry topics. We're exploring a range of topics from sustainable aviation fuels to building efficiency to distributed electricity generation. Hi, I'm Edie Wilson, been on the pod for a while now, and I'm on the Insights Transportation team with Jake. Hey, I'm Jake, a research analyst on the transportation team. I focus on electrification and automation of vehicles, and this is now my second episode. And Edie, my mom, says that we sound very good. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited about that. <laughs> good to have a listener. I have a lot of friends who say they will definitely listen at some point. This week, we're talking with Hannah Bastian, a research analyst on the Guidehouse Insights team, about her report corporate renewable procurement strategies. Hannah contributes to Guidehouse Insights building automation and control and building efficiency and decarbonization services. Her research focuses on global market analysis and forecast for energy efficiency building technologies, building energy management systems, intelligent buildings, and building to grid integration. Prior to joining Guidehouse, Hannah was a senior research analyst for the buildings program at the American Council for an Energy Efficiency Economy, where she conducted research on a wide variety of topics related to improving the energy performance of residential and commercial buildings. She has also worked as a program assistant at the National Center for Sustainable Transportation and an intern at the Energy Efficiency Center at the University of California, Davis. She has a BS in Environmental Resource Economics from UC Davis. Welcome to Plugged In, Hannah. Thank you. Excited to be here. That's uh, quite the bio. I'm really excited to talk to you. Before we get into it, I guess we should start with the definition. What is corporate renewable procurement? Like, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. So corporate renewable procurement is the process in which a private company purchases renewable energy to meet a portion of their energy demand. Today, more and more organizations are committing to matching 100% energy use with renewable energy target dates like 2030 and 2035. And many of them are already hitting their targets today. When we talk with these, we get a lot of abbreviations and initials. So we're going to give people a quick primer on some of these. We're going to start. What is an EAC? Okay. So an EEC, I think that's what people call them, EECs. So an EEC stands for an energy attribute credit, which is essentially a credit that allows the owner or the purchaser to claim use of the renewable energy supplied to the grid. One EEC accounts for one megawatt hour of renewable generation supplied to the grid. So say I have a wind farm and I generate 20 megawatt hours of wind energy in a day. By the end of that day, I'll have 20 eeks that I can either keep for myself and say, here we have, you know, we've generated this much energy or I can sell it to someone who's trying to procure renewable energy. And then there's two main types of eeks. So there's bundled eeks, which come with the physical energy that's supplied to the grid. And then there's unbundled eeks, which are sold separately from the energy supply. And then the next one I have on our list is a PPA. Could you explain exactly what that means? Yeah. A PPA is a power purchase agreement, which is basically a contract that the corporation enters with a third party that will build, own, and operate a renewable energy installation. And there's two main types of PPAs. There's physical and virtual. So a physical PPA is a renewable energy that's directly supplied to the corporation, usually through a private wire. And then in a virtual PPA, the renewable energy is supplied to like a power market. So it's not directly going to the corporation, but the corporation is going to claim it when it is supplied to the grid. Last term, green tariffs. You use them a lot in the report. And could you explain to our listeners what a green tariff is? Yeah. So a green tariff is a program or a contract that's offered by a corporation's local power provider that allows them to buy renewable energy through usually a a special rate. Okay. I feel like I've learned a lot just in the initials and learning what all those things are, but there's more to learn. So what are the primary methods that 
corporations are using to procure renewable energy? Yeah, so all three of those methods that I just described are used by corporations today. There's also a fourth, which is self-supply, which I think everyone is probably familiar with. It's when they generate their own energy. So think about, you know, solar on rooftops as an example. By far, the most common one used today is unbundled eeks because they're often the most accessible to get and also the cheapest to procure in most cases. Does that strategy differ between regions? So those four, is that every place does them or some places do more unbundled eeks, some places, how does it differ between areas? Yeah, so it actually does differ greatly from region to region. And I'd even say it differs greatly from country to country and even like state to state, local jurisdiction to local jurisdiction. And that's because the local power market regulations have a major impact on the types of procurement that corporations can pursue. So like as a general rule of thumb, I would say deregulated energy markets offer corporations the most freedom in choosing how to procure renewable energy because they allow open competition among power generation. They also let buyers choose their power providers. So this is kind of why we've seen like PPAs flourish in regions with deregulated energy markets like Texas in the U.S., And then I'd say on the flip side, like vertically integrated markets or heavily regulated markets, like the ones that we see throughout Asia, really kind of limit the way that corporations can procure energy because they don't allow buyers to choose their power suppliers. So in these markets, corporations must purchase their energy from their designated energy supplier, making PPAs really difficult to pursue or often outright prohibited. So they have a lot fewer choices. I think you'll see self-supply and e-purchases more common in those areas, simply because PPAs aren't really an option. Yeah, that makes sense. And it isn't necessarily something I would think of right away. I want to talk about one of what I understand from reading your reports is a driver, and that's ESG. It's been in the news a lot this summer, Can you explain what another initialism ESG means and why it is a driver in this space? Yeah, so ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And these are the goals that companies set to demonstrate their commitment to like societal good. So renewable procurement has been a really big part of ESG commitments because companies can really clearly articulate how they are doing their part to reduce their impact on the environment. Obviously, ESG is a really big driver for corporate renewable procurement in the sense that more and more companies are trying to procure renewable energy. But I also think ESG is really driving the trends in the type of renewable energy projects that companies are pursuing to meet their procurement goals. So, for example, the companies that are like leaders in this space, a lot of them have already met their like 100% renewable energy commitments just like on an annual level. So they want to go like a step up and really say, here's what we're doing now. Here's how we're doing this better. And like one of the first things that they did was having requirements that make the renewable energy additional, which means that it's new to the grid or it's a project that wouldn't really move forward unless they had commitments from corporations to help fund the project. And so this is really helping them demonstrate that they're helping new renewable energy projects enter the grid rather than just buying the renewable energy that's already grid. The next trend that I see ESG really driving, and I think it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out in the market, is 24-7 carbon-free energy. And I would say like this has become a really hot topic in like about the last year. I think Microsoft, Google, Iron Mountain have all made 24-7 CFE commitments. And recently, the U.S. federal government has set one for all federal buildings. And this requirement basically means that 
they're going to procure energy that meets their hourly demand rather than their annual load. So say, for example, I'm a massive tech company that has a ton of servers that run all night and I commit to 24-7 carbon-free energy, then I have to procure energy that meets that nightly load. Previously, companies were doing this accounting on an annual basis, so they could just buy energy from solar farms producing energy during the day, but that doesn't truly match their energy consumption when thinking about their hourly usage. So I think this will be a really interesting one to watch, as I think it will encourage a lot more projects that generate at times of low energy generation. And I wouldn't be surprised if this leads to more co-location of battery storage to meet this new demand for like 24-hour carbon-free energy. So that's really how I see ESG playing in this in this space. Like one, it's, yeah, it's pushing these projects and the number of companies pursuing them. But I think it's also going to push how these evolve over time and how they continue to kind of push the envelope and how they change the renewable energy landscape. Are there other drivers besides ESG pushing corporations to procure renewable energy in this way? Yeah, absolutely. I think one that I found really interesting was just that clients and customer demands actually do really heavily weigh on the decisions of the people that are pushing these programs within their companies, especially for, I think, business to business, like B2B companies, because their clients themselves are adopting ESG goals. And so, like, for example, corporations that offer cloud services are finding that their customers are requiring clean energy powered data centers to meet their own ESG goals. So for example, Meta has an emissions first rationale when evaluating which data center suppliers they want to do for new operations. So I think it's really interesting that companies that have clients that are businesses are getting pressure from their clients to demonstrate that their companies have these kind of goals in place and are being supplied by renewable energy. Um, Another really interesting driver for me was just that in a lot of cases, the economics for renewable procurement just makes sense. So for one, renewable energy year over year is becoming cheaper and really cost competitive with fossil fuel energy. And I think in some areas, it might even be the cheapest option. And then second, in the case with like PPAs, the contracts can last for anywhere from like 10 to 15 years. So that offers a lot of price stability for a business when it comes to anticipating expenses. And if I think back to like the last couple of years, you know, the global energy prices really spiked across the world. And that was due to the pandemic and then Russia's invasion on of Ukraine. And so I think these long-term contracts are really kind of attractive to companies because it offers them some price stability forecasted into the future that they like kind of have guaranteed. And I think that can be really attractive for companies where energy costs are a major expense. So I think there's all this stuff around ESG and all those things, but at the same time, I think renewable procurement also just makes economic sense for a lot of businesses. My next question, I guess, would be if this makes so much sense, why isn't this happening? What barriers are holding this market back from being developed? Yeah, so I think there are definitely barriers in this market. I think, you know, right now the market is really competitive for buyers and it makes it really difficult for businesses to win PPA contracts and procure renewable energy. And speaking with experts working in this space, I got the sense that demand is just growing a lot faster than supply can keep up. You know, especially in the last few years, the pandemic caused a lot of supply chain issues, which really put like a bottleneck on the number of projects that could be developed. And then there's a lot of projects that want to be developed, but they're caught in like a holding pattern waiting for approval from local regulators. So I think there's, you know, a slower amount of projects coming on than the amount that demand is really growing for them. And then I think the barriers also really kind of just depend on the corporation that wants to procure renewable energy. 
So for like these larger corporations that have, you know, dedicated staff committed to this, tons of funding, like the Googles or the Coca-Colas of the world, they're, I think this restricted supply is probably the biggest barrier for them. And I think another challenge for them is like the lack of standards in this space, especially around new trends like 24-7 carbon-free energy. Because without standards and guidelines, they're kind of left to figure this out on their own. And they have to establish their own definitions and ways of tracking their success in this space. And I also heard that it can make them kind of hesitant to pursue some projects because they don't know whether those projects will meet the updated standards and protocols in the future. So they're worried if I do this project now, but the standards change in such a way that this doesn't count, then I don't really get to count this towards my goal. And so that can make them hesitant to make certain investments. And then for like the mid-sized companies and kind of the rest of the companies out there that aren't the Googles and the Coca-Colas, I think their biggest challenge is competing with those big companies. You know, especially in the PPA space, it can be really hard for them to win kind of those attractive contracts, those attractive projects, just because for one, they might not be able to commit to like the same timeline that those bigger companies can have. And then at the same time, they might not be able to get funding or financing because the banks see them as riskier than some of those bigger companies. And so I think really kind of navigating the PPA space, as well as just EECs, green tariffs, figuring out what's the right pathway for them and their company to meet their renewable goals, I think can be really challenging. And that's kind of the reason why a lot of these companies go work with consulting services that can help them navigate this process and really build a portfolio that makes sense for their building or for their companies. That makes a lot of sense why there's hesitancy if there aren't I guess, more specific guidelines and standards. I, I understand that. You mentioned PPAs again, and I want to go back to regional distinctions. I guess, what regions do you expect to see having the most renewable procurement? And is the energy market structure, is that indicative of whether they'll have more or less energy renewable procurement? Yeah, definitely. So I think in North American Europe, we're going to continue to see growth. Um, especially in PPAs, both physical and virtual. And it's because these con- these regions have been like really growing year over year. And based off of my interview with, you know, stakeholders in this space, I just don't really see this slowing down anytime soon. I think it's going to grow in Asia Pacific as well. But like you were mentioning, the regulatory structures can make it really hard to navigate and still really limit the options that businesses have. I will say governments in that region are working to update their policies and allow more renewable procurement, but those things take time and the progress to date has been relatively slow. And so I think, you know, it'll happen, but it's probably going to take, you know, some time for that to happen just because updating regulations doesn't happen overnight. I think you'll see some growth in certain countries in the rest of the world. But again, these markets are just trickier to navigate and they have fewer options. So I really think EECs will remain the, you know, the main type of renewable procurement for the rest of the world for the time being. I want to go back real quick to something we talked about earlier when we were talking about barriers to the space, about mid-sized companies competing with Coca-Colas and the Googles to win these PPAs. Is there other methods they use? I mean, a smaller mid-sized company might not have the same ability to build a solar field array or 
you know, any sort of wind farm sort of thing, but there are other options. So do you notice that with smaller companies, they tend to be buying a lot more of these other options like Eeks or are there other options even that are just mostly focused for these small mid-sized companies? Yeah, so I think they're really going to probably focus on Eeks. If they have green tariffs available to them, they might go that route. Um, And same with self-supply. I think in some cases that might make sense for them. And again, I see these companies really working with those consulting companies to evaluate those options and decide what really makes sense for them, what's available to them. There is this really kind of interesting development in the PPA market, which is called aggregated PPAs, where groups of these smaller businesses will come together and form a single bid, essentially, to procure renewable energy from a project. And that helps them make them look more competitive. So it gives them more security and be able to get financing because it looks like they might be more reliable if you kind of can diversify the companies in the in the group. And it also allows them to commit to like a bigger share of the energy, right? Like if you do like 10 sets of 10 megawatts, now you have 100 megawatts versus 10 individual contracts of 10 megawatts. And I think we've seen a couple of those. They're still very new. And I think a lot of those are coming out of these programs that big companies have for their suppliers. So I know Apple has one, Walmart has one, and I think PepsiCo has one where they're helping their suppliers come together and form aggregated PPAs and win contracts. So I think that that's an interesting one to watch as like a potential for bringing some of these more small businesses into the PPA market. Are there any other specific case studies in this area that you can cite as being interesting? Yeah, there are a few that I found really interesting that kind of had an equity focus. So one was that Salesforce announced a contract with PowerTrust to procure nearly 300,000 megawatt hours of renewable energy from projects in Brazil, India, Southeast Asia, and Sub-Saharan Africa. And these projects specifically support the development of renewable energy in areas where it will have the most impact, like social and environmental impact. So these projects include solar power microgrids in rural communities that currently lack any access to electricity. And then there's another one that's like a solar plus storage installation on a hospital to help improve energy reliability. So I think that that's really interesting. It's like kind of an interesting take on that, how ESG is really influencing the projects that are being pursued. There's another one that's happening here in the US, in North America, because Google just announced that they have a new initiative with similar aims, that they'll procure renewable energy from 80 smaller scale distributed solar developments with a focus on developing them in regions with low to moderate income households. Usually like big companies like this will procure energy from like large grid scale developments, but this new distributed approach helps ensure that more communities will see the benefits of renewable generation on their local grids. This focus on like kind of distributed energy helps spread those kind of benefits. So I think those are two interesting ones to think about. You know, I think there's a lot of creativity happening in this space between these and the aggregated PPAs. So while this is like a well-established market, I think it's going to continue to change and evolve. And it's a really interesting space to watch. Yeah, it's been really interesting in the U.S. and beyond how there has been more focus on equity in these new types of projects and the renewable energy space. Really interesting case studies. I know we've covered a lot. But just want to ask, since we ask all of our podcast guests this, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to address? No, I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot. Okay, amazing. Any last questions, Jake? No, I think you, I think you have it covered. 
I also don't think this is a very appropriate topic for the what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen question we sometimes ask people. Yeah. Thank you so much to Hannah for joining us. And to learn more, this report is available on the Guidehouse Insights webpage. To keep up to date with the podcast, please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to you joining our next conversation in September. And thanks so much to Guidehouse for providing us the platform for discussion. As a reminder, the webpage is www.guidehouseinsights.com for reports and other publications on the topic. 